Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that gets under the skin of science in such a good way, as we invite a new expert every week to help us answer one of science's most interesting questions. I'm Rick Edwards. And I'm Dr. Michael Brooks. Not a real doctor. Hello. Uh, what have you got for us this week? <laughs> so, so this week is all about getting lost. Uh, we're asking if there's such a thing as basically a bad sense of direction. <laughs> I think, I, I mean, instinctively, I know the answer because I've spent time with you and you have a terrible sense of direction. I absolutely do. circling the science museum. <laughs> circling the science museum for what felt, it probably was only about 10 minutes but it felt like about half an hour and we had to get to an event I remember we had to honest. message the people that we were meant to meet yeah and you just said Michael's just got us lost and yeah li- we're literally well, that is what of, had happened back of the science museum but also you did the classic thing where you sort of you you had the confidence of saying yeah this way and having absolutely no idea where we were going. Yeah, that's quite unusual for me because I, I don't really have a lot of confidence. Like I, I know I I've got you were trying bad, to impress me. <laughs> maybe I was. And you failed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I've got a bad sense of direction. And I was thinking actually when we came in here today, if I had to draw a map of like getting from the front door of this building mm-hmm. to the studio, I'm not sure I'd get it right. Really? Do you think you would? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I think I, I've got a good sense of direction. I genu- genuinely get to like down the corridor and have a little internal panic because like, is it left or right here? And you might, you, I mean, you won't see it today, mm. but when we leave, usually I'm like, I've done a little shimmy left when I should have gone right this, and I, just tried to cover it up. Soho is my worst. I, I get lost in Soho every time I go to Soho. You go to Soho quite a lot. Yeah, I do. And How I've even, do you? I've even had also, the, it's essentially a grid system. <laughs> Is it? I don't know. I've studied it. Literally, I've studied it because I, I was meeting this Australian couple for dinner. Uh, who How I met. Zee? Anyway, that, that, that's not. The, I mean, so they were staying in a hotel in, in Soho somewhere and I had to walk them from there to where we were going for dinner. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I thought this is going to be embarrassing if I get them lost. Obviously, they're, you know, they're no. visitors to our, our, our fine city. And I uh, so I studied it. I worked out where to go left and right. I walked the route in advance of meeting them. Oh my god! Still got it wrong. Oh my god! You're so embarrassing. Well, so many. I'm sort of owning it now. That's not. No offense. That's not a bad sense of direction. That's just being thick, isn't it? (laughs) Why? if, If you've walked it, just like remember. What you've done? Like what you've what you done? How how? I can't I cannot I don't understand how know, you've done that. But I guess this is what we're going to talk about this week. Yeah. In one hundred meters, many of us have never had a great sense of direction. Getting lost a few streets away from your house, wandering into shops and leaving without remembering which way you came from. Even when we have our phones to guide us, some of us still manage to make a wrong turn here and there. Recalculating. But why? What does it mean to be a good navigator? Birds can navigate thousands of miles. Some of us can't even get home from a night out. Is it something that can be improved? 
or is our over-reliance and dependence on automated directions eroding our natural ability to navigate for ourselves? Or maybe it's an obsolete skill. That's why this week we're asking, is there such a thing as a bad sense of direction? You have reached your destination. So obviously we've got a great expert to help us uh, answer this question. And uh, we'll be speaking with Mary Hegarty, who's a professor of psychological and brain sciences at the University of California, Santa Barbara. She's a navigational neuroscientist. And I actually just made that term up. I was going to (laughs) say... I quite liked it, though. Yeah, yeah, so she researches individual differences in spatial cognition. So it's the entire reason for us doing this episode for you to see if you can improve your piss-poor navigational skills. Well, you got your sleep episode, this is mine. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Uh, To be honest, I have often wondered why it takes people so long sometimes to just get from A to B, or why people can't understand directions instructions simple instructions and they panic and will call you yes yeah yeah actually i have had a number of calls from you various points around the country saying you don't know where you're going (laughs) and i'm just like but you're not this is this is a puzzling thing you're not an idiot no i'm not so you know, I mean, if a swallow can navigate from North London to Namibia, <laughs> why, why can't you get from Berwick Street to Poland Street? I mean, I literally couldn't do that. It's one road across. Yeah, but I'd need to know which way to go. Wouldn't I? <laughs> basically, okay, so I've done my research for this. And navigation is one of the most complicated things that we do. Right. It's not straightforward at all. Mm. Um, so it's a huge cognitive task and it's not just one thing. It's, it's lots of things going on. Um, so, um, I mean, you have to know where you are in the first place, obviously. Yeah. You have to know where you want to get to. Yeah. Uh, and then you have to understand the, the route that you're going to take there, track your progress. Um, and, and this requires a lot of different brain regions actually working together to do stuff. And animals are just like, you know, quite well equipped for that. And they don't do much more than that, some of them really. You know, they eat and they navigate and, and, mm. and, and procreate and that's kind of it. So and what else do you do? <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've got like, animals are sort of got equipped, I mean, they've got genetics uh, for inherent migratory routes. So that swallow going from, you know, North London to Namibia is actually, you know, in some ways programmed in or some of it is programmed in. Uh, they have good mental maps. Um, for they have instincts. They have um, the ability to sort of look at the sun and moon, and 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 you know they've got somehow they've got sort of navigational aids from celestial things that that I would have to learn how to do. Whereas they do it sort of instinctively, if you know what I mean. I mean that's, but that's extraordinary in itself, isn't it? Like it when is. You're saying yeah, that yeah. it's sort of genetic that a swallow knows how to get to Africa. There's there's a genetic part to it. Yeah. And obviously, you know, some animals can navigate by smell, which I definitely can't do. Well, actually, I mean, as discussed previously on this show, our smell is not as bad as you think. But I don't advise that you start sniffing your hair out Soho. (laughs) (laughs) I'm imagining you like on the pavement. That's a horrible pavement to sniff. And then some smells of coke. (laughs) Some animals are like sensing the Earth's magnetic field and 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 able to do like navigation via that. I I don't have that ability. 
No, mm. I don't have that ability. Uh, and then they have communications and signaling, which I guess we do have between individuals where, you know, I yeah. phone you up. And yes, <laughs> yeah, and ask. Yeah. You say, go left now. Yeah. Uh, and, and some animals, like whales, dolphins, can use ocean currents as well and just sense those currents and, you know... Pick them up. And... Pick them up. Yeah, yeah. So so they've, they've got a lot going on. So how are humans doing it then? Because we've not got many of those things that you're talking about. Exactly. But that's something I asked Mary. So we have what we call body-based senses. So things like proprioception and the vestibular sense. So this is sort of the sense of your own body movement as you're moving through the environment. And the vestibular sense is, you know, based in your inner ear. And that's, that sense is orientation. So actually, we, when we just ask people, how good is your sense of direction? That is actually a better predictor of people's ability to navigate when they're really moving around an environment, when they're physically moving in the environment than if they're just navigating in a virtual environment where you're really using vision only. And one of the processes we study is, is called um, spatial updating. And we often do studies where we just blindfold people and maybe walk them on a path in a room and then they have to either walk back to where they came from or um, walk back to the start or um, point to start. So, and that's really to see, you know, how well are they updating their position based on just sensing their own motion through space? So in that experiment where you're blindfolding someone and getting them sort of walk a path and then retrace their steps or lean them around for a bit and then ask them to point at where they came from, I would back myself so hard <laughs> to do well at that. I really would. And I'd also back you so minimally. <laughs> You'd be I mean, it's not a competition. It's science. It's Blind Man's Buff. Was it called Blind Man's Bluff or... Blind Man's Buff. A th- buff. Buff. I can't remember. I think. But it's basically yeah. that for science, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, can you can you navigate your way around or find things? And Yeah, no, I, I would be terrible, obviously. Do you reckon you could avoid obstacles? So I, I mean, If I'd been walked feels, past it, them... So no, let, let's say it's a dynamic environment. So you've got maybe there's like ten of you blindfolded in a space, and you've all got to move around. Do you think you'd be able to avoid? Because I think that suddenly your your hearing is going to be, be very yeah. like. Are you going to tell me you're going to do echolocation or something? Yeah, I think I am. Yeah. <laughs> you got a problem with that? Basically, I'm saying I think I could avoid stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, humans can do echolocation. Well, there we go. So, I know. So I know why, that's true. So but they tend to be blind people who well, have developed it over years. And uh, it's not just something you automatically do when you can't see. Speak for yourself. <sighs> just You've got such a high opinion of your abilities, haven't you? <laughs> My ability to echolocate. <laughs> no, I don't he think I'm going to be he's good at everything. Bat. But yeah, I think I, could, I think I could do well at this. I don't even know if it's an experiment. I've just designed it myself. I don't know what it's proving. Other than the fact that maybe I'm good at it. <laughs> Best sort of experiment. I mean, what that experiment, I guess, proves is if you can do it, it's not all to do with visual cues. It's not all no. to do with sight. So there are other things that go on, um, as she was talking about. So so one of the things is proprioception. Some people have called it this, like the sixth sense, where you you can see the sort of, or, or sense the location of your body. like or you, you know instinctively where things are on your body, where your hand is relative to your nose. Yeah. You know, yeah so you can yeah. touch your nose if you're blindfolded, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, so you get that. Um, and you've got a vestibular system that will tell you if you've turned right sort of thing by the sort of motion of fluid in the ear canal. Yeah. 
and you'll have sort of a sense of, oh, I turned right, mm-hmm. even though you can't see it. And I mean, you, you know, you kind of turned right because your legs did it, but yeah. but you get a sense of how much and, and everything else like that. So it's a bit like the sort of accelerometer in your phone. Mm-hmm. It sort of mm-hmm. knows, you know, how much you've, you've accelerated and in, in what direction and stuff. Yes. So you've yes. got that. And, um, and I mean, you can... The amazing thing to me is that you've got cells in your brain that just fire. So certain neurons fire. So the, these things are called place cells. Uh, won a, so the guy who discovered them won a Nobel Prize for them. So he discovered them back in the 1970s, got Nobel Prize in 2014. Uh, but basically these things are in the hippocampus, which is the sort of thing in the center of your brain. Mm. Um, and um, and it's to do with sort of spatial awareness and spatial navigation and stuff. And he, he was actually looking at memory. So he'd implanted a, an electrode in the brain of a rat. And then he realized that there was a cell there that was a brain cell that was only firing when the rat was in a particular place. Like, and so, so these place That's cells, uh, like they're like memories of, of a particular location. location. So you can wow. be standing at your kitchen sink and you will have a certain number of cells. And they think it might be like 10,000 or something that fire, you know, together and and tell you uh, this is your kitchen sink. Sort it's of like thing. sort of like, unique like you, you, like location you, like You've dropped code. a pin there, effectively. Yeah. Like on your phone, like you dropped a pin. And then a different set of cells will fire when you're, you know, in, in your pub, in your local pub or, or something like that. So So you've got these place cells that kind of just act as sort of memories. Um, That's and, really cool. I never. Uh, yeah, I think it's really cool. Um, I'm glad he got his Nobel Prize. I think he deserved it. Yeah, I mean, he had to wait for a while. <laughs> he did, like, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just going to check we think this is good. 40 years later. Yeah, we do, actually. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and you've also got grid cells, border cells, and the head direction cells, which tells, which make a note of like what the vestibular So do you think you are. haven't got any of these? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the grid cells just are kind of to do with understanding how one location relates to another. So probably not got those. Uh, the border cells, that's really interesting. So these ones fire when you come up against a wall or you see a wall or something. And like your brain remembers, oh, you can't go that for any further in that direction sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so so maybe I don't have all of these things. I mean, it's a sort of recognised disorder to not be able to do this kind of thing. I don't think I've got a disorder, but I'm saying some people... We've are, not got an order. <laughs> some people are worse off than me, uh, I, I would say. Um, and, but the amazing thing is, like, those cells, like, they, they even fire in imaginary spaces. So if you um, have, like, sort of memorised the layout of Hogwarts or something from the films or something like that, you, you'll, you'll have sort of groups of cells firing in your brain when you see a certain part of, of Hogwarts or something like that. So it doesn't even have to be in it the It doesn't have to be a real space, be, no. That's mad. It's pretty amazing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, we, we're sort mm. of we'll we'll make memories and of grids and locations and boundaries and everything else, and our brain stores them as so, these kind of some spatial some, as these spatial things and, coordinating. Yeah, and some people's signals between yeah. those cells are weaker than others. That's what they found. So mm. that would be me, mm. I would imagine. But there's a lot going on. Don't know if I want to ask this question, but I feel like. I have to. Are there any gender differences at play here? Mm. I'm going to let Professor Mary answer that question. (laughs) We know that 
in some navigation situations, men are better than women, but that seems to be a big stereotype in our culture. And it seems that the stereotype is maybe stronger than the reality, so that men tend to overestimate their sense of direction and women underestimate. Women also have more spatial anxiety. In fact, we did some studies in our lab where we asked people, again, about their sense of direction, spatial anxiety, and then we asked them questions about what we call growth mindset. So asking, well, do you think that you could that you you could improve your navigation ability? And so there's, you know, this is a, a big topic of research in cognitive psychology, and there's been a huge amount of work on um, growth mindset and showing that some people, just in, if you think about intelligence in general, you know, some people have a growth mindset where they believe that they can improve their intelligence. Other people feel their intelligence is fixed. So we we asked the same sorts of questions about uh, navigation ability. And we found that actually people were less likely to have a growth mindset when it comes to navigation ability. They really sort of thought it was fixed. And the other thing I've found is that when I talk to people, people are very happy to tell me that they have a bad sense of direction. And it doesn't, there doesn't seem to be any stigma about it, you know? People just think that, and, and what we found in the study was that people with a poor sense of direction were less likely to have a growth mindset. They were like, less likely to believe that they could improve their navigation. I'm sorry, <laughs> I hate to sort of question our, our expert mm. here, but is she suggesting that there should be a stigma and I should be embarrassed? I'm suggesting that. <laughs> yeah, I don't well, know obviously you are. I mean, it is embarrassing sometimes. Yeah. So like, I'll be looking at my phone, like trying to get a direction, and then I'll walk off. And then realize And then the blue that... dot moves in the wrong direction, so I've got mm. to turn around and walk back again. And that happens to me quite a lot. I just don't... I mean, it even sort of gives you... Like it shows you. Yeah, what it does help. You're like facing. it does help. Like I've it's, learned how to use that a bit better. Yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't always work, does it? Like if you've got not got a great signal or something, then mm. you don't always get that, or it seems quite vague. So were um, you better with old school maps, like with an A to Z? Yeah, because I think because you had to work harder initially to yeah, orient yeah, yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. With, yeah. with a paper map. Uh, but there is sort of research that shows that that paper maps sort of are more directly sort of connected to the way our brain works than than um like digital stuff like online mm. maps so so you know because partly because online maps like on your phone they swing around as well they don't always stay in the same direction mm. so you mm. you know it's just an extra... trying to help you that's what that's <laughs> it's just it's trying to help yeah so I you're mean, not sort of doing this with a, with yeah, a map yeah yeah I, I mean i'm not going to be applying for the, the london cabbie job any anytime soon yeah okay so have you a, have you got a weird hippocampus? Do you reckon? <laughs> and B, is there anything in the in like the brain structure of a cabbie that you, you like? Is there a difference between someone who's got the knowledge and someone who hasn't? Yeah, absolutely. So this is That's an amazing cool. like five year project to to map this to like map the hippocampus of of London cabbies like before and after gaining the knowledge. And and they found that they had a much bigger hippocampus than average people, basically. And the longer they keep doing it, the bigger it grows. And there's a, there's actually a trade off because there's I think it's the back of the hippocampus that gets really big, but the front part gets smaller. So it means that they that have the a bit of control small talk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that'd be amazing if it was. <laughs> It's actually the bit, the bit that enables you to remember like a visual thing and then redraw it. So, so you like stare at a picture, mm-hmm. and then you're told to like do a sketch or stare at an object, do a sketch of that object, and they mm-hmm. they're not as good 
as average people are at doing that. But on the you know that's because they've sort of devoted so much of their sort of brain resources to to this spatial map and these incredible sort of uh, intricate understandings of how everything in London sort of relates to each other. So it's kind of quite a, quite a cool trade off, I think. Do you think I back myself to draw something accurately? Yes, well, you back yourself on everything, that's don't right, you? Yeah, that's right. Would you actually? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> think so yeah god you're a monster just all, all of it comes down to just being really competitive so <laughs> i think it 99 of it is i'll just try much harder than most people will bother to try yeah that's possibly true I but that doesn't get you so. that, that doesn't give you an ability to do something N- no but i feel like some people would just be like well i don't care whether i'm good at this thing yeah, so, they I, do, yeah. Whereas, so, so you they would come out try... looking good compared to other people exactly exactly even if what you'd drawn was actually was not shit. particularly good yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 anyway so to answer your question there's not really a gender difference in terms of actual abilities right but there are cultural differences between sort of genders that, that occur yeah okay. yeah so 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 there's sort of no um, there's no difference between like the the hippocampus size of of men and women generally but women are much more affected by anxiety about being out and about so when they're given tasks um they are basically thinking about other issues other than uh, a to b they're sort of you know they have a general anxiety about being out what they might encounter what might they might not encounter Mm. and and so they it's sort of like they just it's not a, a straight focus Right. And, and I mean, there's a, another study as well, which which shows that women tend to uh, navigate by landmarks rather than, and men tend to say, you know, oh, I'll go north for three blocks and then east, and then you know, they, they kind of have a a process route, whereas whereas women are, are shown to navigate more visually by what they see in their environment. Oh, I, I think I, I favour the ladies' approach. Okay, I, think I prefer a landmark. Yeah. Yeah, you'll back yourself against any ladies doing navigation, won't you? Yeah, or men. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it's interesting because it's basically when you're having to navigate, and this is true even in virtual environments, what what people find, what the researchers find, is that the, there's a higher anxiety uh, for women, basically because of cultural issues about you know being out on the streets or being out and having to find your way to somewhere unfamiliar. So um, it's kind of, you know, it's called wayfinding anxiety mm. and it's sort of seen across a lot of different cultures. Um, and, you know, it's it's basically about personal safety, it sort of intrudes on the whole yeah. sort of process. So well, it, it makes sense. Yeah. Like that is in, in, in a way like obviously more important. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's, you know, better late than never sort of argument against speeding almost. So just like your safety is above everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, fine, it's, you get a bit lost. Who cares? You get there in the end. Yeah. If you get there safely, I suppose. Uh, anyway, hold that thought. We're going to be right back after this to discuss whether it is possible for Brooksy to improve his miserable sense of direction, how age might impact your sense of direction, and we'll ask our expert, Mary, is there such a thing as a bad sense of direction? Spoiler, yes. <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so we've said that if women are less good at navigation, it is just due to anxiety or possibly the way that the, the tests themselves are, are, are carried out. Yeah. I mean, there is another factor which I should have mentioned, which is that throughout their lives, they won't have had as much practice at navigation as men who roam more freely on the streets, who don't worry about getting lost or being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm. So so there's literally, you know, if there's navigational ability differences, it's down to factors like they're not allowed out or they don't allow themselves out Mm -hmm. or they don't, you know, they don't travel on their own uh, in the same way. So which is quite sort of disturbing in a way. You know that that yeah. can have such a such an effect, but, but it, it's it definitely makes, there. It, yeah, it's sort of sad, isn't it? But it does make yeah. it does make yeah. sense. So, so of crucial importance to you, can you or can one improve their sense of direction? Well, it was interesting because Professor Mary was talking about that growth mindset, hmm. and I think I had that growth mindset like that when I was trying to say, right, I can do this. I can study the map. I can walk the route. I can remember this thing. And then when it came to the crunch, you couldn't. I couldn't do it. So I think I might have lost my growth mindset. <laughs> but um, but it's not just me, right? Because there was a study done in 2006 uh, of 24 college students. They were driven around a couple of routes in an unfamiliar neighbourhood. Mm-hmm. There were like 10 weekly sessions of this. And then after about four sessions, they were driven on a connecting route between the two. So, so that, you know, basically they were asked after every session, like, can you draw a map of this environment uh-huh. that, that we've been driving you around? And and a lot of people got better and better the more they did it. But there were some people who got nowhere. Literally, after the first session, they drew a map that was just as bad as the one they drew after the 10th session. Like, they got nowhere with sort of getting the lie of the land. And, and so, you know, it's sort of, if you haven't got it, you just haven't got it. Do you feel better because you're not alone? I, I sort of do. <laughs> I'm owning it at least, but but at the same time, you know, obviously the other thing about this is it deteriorates with age. Oh, unlucky! <laughs> so so I, it's there not really like, is no hope. <laughs> it's not like I'm going to get better now. I'm just sort of gradually. You haven't got a growth mindset. I'm, I'm gradually getting very worse. defeatist stuff. <laughs> yeah, and and older people are are worse at navigating around spaces than younger people. It, basically, from the age of twenty, your ability starts to decline. Uh, so. You know, I mean, I've done some declining in my time. I must have been like a swallow when I was 20. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so, I mean, uh, and obviously, I mean, talking about old people, I mean, you, this is something you see with dementia, right? This is uh, Well, that of, kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, that, that inability to navigate or know where you are in the space. And that's why, uh, so there was a professor at UCL called, or it still is there, Hugo Spears. He created an online game to try and work out what was going on with dementia, what the factors were. And it sort of became this massive hit. Um, it's called Sea Hero Quest. Uh, and Mary told us about it. They created a, a navigation video game and it sort of went viral and was, they collected data from um, like four million people. <laughs> and so they and it's they're just the data from this project are just starting to come out. But um, they have some very interesting results. One is that navigation ability is related to the GDP of your country. So richer country, people seem to have better navigation ability. The size of the sex difference is related to sort of how equal, you know, men and women are in that culture. So if they're more equal, the size of the sex difference is smaller. I mean, I'd never thought about this until, you know, sort of looking into this. That sort of freedom to roam makes mm. a huge difference to your ability to develop navigational abilities. And and yet, yet another kind of um, disadvantage that women face. So... If you live in a country with less gender equity, like Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, and you're a woman, you're basically worse at navigating than your male counterparts. So, because you haven't had the opportunity mm. to, to sort of build those cognitive mm. maps. Well, it's not the worst thing about being a woman in those <laughs> No, I mean, it's not. But, but it's, it's sad that there's another, yeah, yeah. another level to this, yeah, isn't there? Yeah. So um, like if you're in Sweden and Denmark, there's no difference between men and women, basically, between spa- in spatial skills terms. Mm because they've got that kind of gender equality and, and they can all do you know the, the same amount. And then Mary mentioned this um, correlation with economic wealth. Mm. Like, so if you have a higher GDP, you have a population that's better at navigating. And that's basically to do with cities, navigating like travel infrastructure, like public transport. Yeah, yeah. So you, you get used to like reading a map, uh, working out what things are. You're traveling more probably for work as well. Whereas if you're in a rural community, or, you know, low income sort of you know, rural communities, you're, you're really staying at home, working on, you know, in, in a local environment. So you're just doing less traveling and less navigating. Well, what about a, a kind of nomadic people? You well, think that I mean, their sense of direction would be excellent? Yeah, but I think they're sort of fairly um, small proportions of populations yeah, yeah, yeah. within those those mm. low low economic nations. But I mean, yes, they will have amazing abilities, but possibly not. They wouldn't be transferable to like living in a city, for instance. Mm. So that all implies that there is a degree to which you can learn and get better at it. So then there is yeah. a bit of hope for you. Yeah, so there is. So I can I can use the tube. I can I can use it at map. Oh, oh, oh brilliant. <laughs> you can use the tube. <laughs> Give the man a medal. <laughs> I would predict as well that I think um, kids today are probably worse than me on average. Because actually kids are roaming much less as, as children. Mm. So in two generations now, the sort of home range of primary school children, so the distance they travel on their own, mm. um, has dropped by 90% in the last two generations. So wow. th- they just don't go out on their own and, and learn how to find their way to school or whatever. So, um, and also they're not being allowed sort of to travel alone anywhere near as much. So, so you know, you you're traveling with other people, you're making group decisions or you're following the pack or, or, you know, so, so there are changes going on. All of these societal influences are quite grim, aren't they? 
They're not great, are they? No. Really. I mean, I don't want to you know, do a kind of you know, back to nature call, but it does feel like we're losing something mm. cognitive, actually. Mm. Let me also say that familiarity with the terrain matters. So the general, so if you take somebody out of their natural environment or where they've grown up or whatever mm. and put them somewhere else, then that sort of makes a, a difference too. So um, there's a, Hugo Spears has this story. So the guy who did the, the, the research at UCL yeah. for this game, he was doing some research in the Peruvian jungle like just doing some field work things. And he was with you know a group of people who were sort of looking after him and making sure he was all right. And uh, he said he wanted to go out for a walk one time just by himself a little bit. They said, you know, don't go too far. And he, said, he says he went about 10 metres in the Peruvian jungle and he was lost. He was like, <laughs> just like lost, uh, lost his orientation and he was lost for two hours because he just kept moving. He said everything in his brain just told him to keep moving and you'll find your way back. But of course he didn't. He just found his way further and further into the jungle. And he started like macheting like marks on trees and then finding he like was going around in a circle and had, like come back to the same tree. So he'd like mark it and got to like three marks on the trees. It's like I've been here three times already. And I mean, he's panicking at this point. I mean, it's funny, but he's, you know, because he's a professor yeah, of navigation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously. It's so embarrassing when you get back to the group. And he, he eventually got back after about two hours that they'd sent dogs out to look for him. And everything. <laughs> just like... I think so, if that's me, I'm definitely coming back and saying, no, no, I just did a big one big leap. Actually. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, no, nice walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, what they say is apparently if you are lost in an unfamiliar terrain, you stay still and wait for somebody to come and find you. Don't keep walking. But mm. that goes against everything that your brain is, so, yeah, is telling I, you to I, do. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you're never getting lost though, are you? Cause, no, you know, I'm, I'm, you're, just, I'm just walking straight back. Yeah, yeah. yeah walking straight back to the group and uh, yeah, what's the problem? So are some people born with a better sense of direction? Like an, always, an innate, better sense of direction. Well, we don't know, but we do know that it is innate and it is, I mean, it develops really early. So like newborn rats, within a couple of weeks, they basically established all of their sort of sense of direction. They know which way, they've, they've got a sense of place and a sense of orientation mm-hmm. and um, their ability to sort of, you know, understand direction is as good at, basically as soon as you can measure it in newborns, it's as good as it's ever going to be. So they won't improve it over their lives. Right. I mean, I like to think that humans can do better because we adopt technology and we have teaching. Mm. And, and so, so you know, we, maybe we do better. But there's an awful lot about this that's sort of, you know, really quite innate, quite sort of fixed in terms of how well your brain is, is working, how it's going to be connected, how the cells are going to be connected together, how strongly they fire in certain regions of the brain. And, you know, and, and obviously you can change things because we've seen it with the cabbies yeah and and neuroplasticity says you can change this stuff nothing is sort of set in stone yeah so you you can make improvements um and i really want to make improvements (laughs) does mary think there's any hope for you well I'll, i'll let you know what she said interestingly there have been very few studies that have tried to you know actually train people to navigate so it's a it's an interesting question of how do we learn there must be some innate ability that we have but i think maybe we just learn by copying you know so and that's one way one reason why it maybe is hard to um you know dissociate nature from nurture because you know people maybe who have the genes that make them good navigators also have parents who are good navigators and maybe who have developed good strategies for navigating. So, you you know, if you're genetically predisposed to be good at navigation, then it's likely that you also 
had parents who are good navigators, but I mean, something I now have been encouraging people to do is just, you know, when you have time, explore your environment, turn off your GPS, don't always see if you can do it without the GPS. In summary, that was a no. <laughs> wasn't it <laughs> there's no hope for you so so i found so i searched for ways in which people say you can improve you did improve your your navigation so i'm i'm going to list them to you so cool. so the first one is like create a mental map so review a map of your proposal in your head like before you head out and in, if you've got a physical map you can trace it with your finger and that really helps your brain apparently to sort of you know put that all in the right mm-hmm, place mm-hmm. um obviously i pretty much did that in that that evening in soho it didn't work and still fucked it yeah, yeah 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 uh second one is be mindful of the place you're in so stop and look around sort of you know enjoy the scenery <laughs> the suggestion is that you actually stop enough to take notes and like write something down again so it's just like cementing like oh there's a church here and it opposite the church is the, you know that kind of thing something that occurs to me that must have an impact on this is not necessarily just the fact that we all follow maps on our on our phones but the fact that we're on our phones as we're walking around so yeah. much of the time. So we're not even so looking you're much up. less aware of your surroundings. Yeah, the landmarks are, are just yeah. like completely, mm. you're oblivious to them, basically. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, but that sort of idea of almost talking to yourself or writing, you know, sort of cements things in your brain about where you are and, and how things are connected. Uh, the other thing is put the phone away, put all the technology away and just do it by either paper maps or by memory. So, so there's, um, there's research that shows that actually using GPS degrades our ability to do the kind of processing of a route uh, you know so once you get used to that you don't bother then thinking about how long is that going to take me and and you know what, you? what's going to yeah, be the yeah. best route because yeah. you're just being presented mm-hmm, with it mm-hmm. uh, so then when you don't have that not only can you not when you don't have that technology not only can you not get anywhere but you don't have the sort of hardware wiring that's that's really able to do that you know, for, for you, sort of from scratch. Because you haven't been using it. Yeah, basically. And and there was an experiment in Japan that found that if you're using GPS to get to a destination, compared to somebody who's using a paper map, the paper map people get there quicker. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because they basically sort of... Uh, when you're GPS on users made more mistakes, so they would follow the dot and like it would right, go in the yeah, wrong direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd have to turn around and come yeah, back. Okay. Whereas the paper map users, it was more sort of intuitive, I guess. But actually, did I guess you're more focused, aren't you? Yeah. Like really? Like, because you're... It's taking a bit more brain power for you yeah. to be just you're, doing I it. think you're taking responsibility. Yeah. So you're like, yeah. I am doing this. I'm not letting some you, something you've else... You've totally outsourced Yeah. It. On, yeah. On, on yeah, on the phone on you your, have. Your phone. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, yeah, t- tell me tell me what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, another tip is to basically take different routes to the same place so you kind of get that sort of sense of, nice. of spatial awareness mm-hmm. of where everything mm-hmm. relates to everything else. I don't think you would, but it, yeah, it sounds <laughs> impossible. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing they say is is sort of think in terms of um, points of the compass. So, so orient yourself in space, like figure out where north is. And sort of then think about, you know, oh, which way am I facing now? And and then your brain builds up, yeah, I mean, roughly there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, I've, I I went to a talk a few years ago by a guy called Tristan Gooley, who's a um, 
who has recovered from his yeah, yeah, he's recovered from his childhood trauma in the playground now. Yeah, I mean, he's a natural navigator, and so he, he talks about how you can go out into the countryside and and spot all these things that tell you about the terrain, which direction you, you're facing, and you know. So if you're on this, if you if you're walking along a path. And there's a, this is the only thing I remember from this whole thing. And there's like puddles on one side of the path, but not on the other. Then those puddles are on the south side. Or is it the north side? I can't remember. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the puddles are on the south side because the sun's coming in and the hedgerow sort of stops. Uh, sun's coming in basically from the south. Yeah. And and so they, the puddles don't dry out because the hedgerow is sh- is sheltering the puddles. Whereas on the north side of the path, they, the sun hits them and they sun evaporate. Sun hits them and they evaporate. Yeah. Oh, that's and there's stuff about yeah, yeah. you know which way trees are, are sort of oriented in terms of being bent over and stuff. So yeah, I mean I, it was great. It was really interesting. And I bought one of his books. And unhelpful. But I still can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good on Ghoulies, though. Uh, okay, I think we. I think we probably know the answer to this week's question, um, but I am interested to hear what Mary had to say. I assume you asked her. Yeah. Um, is there such a thing as a bad sense of direction? Hello. <laughs> um, let me think. So I think there are definitely differences between people. Some people are better navigators than others, but I think a lot of people who think they have a bad sense of direction maybe don't. <laughs> and... Um, I think maybe a lot of people just are guided by this idea of a bad sense of direction and don't even try to navigate, rely on their sat nav or whatever. And um, I would like to sort of say, well, you know, even if you think you have a bad sense of direction right now, you know, you shouldn't assume that that's the way it has to be and you could probably improve your navigation ability. I don't think you're one of these people who just <laughs> thinks you've got a bad sense of direction. But no, actually, I definitely it's all right. have. I think you, yeah, you're squarely. You've got a terrible sense of direction. Yeah, and I'm not going to be ashamed about it. You should be a little bit. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've really tried to work on it, and it hasn't really made much difference. That's even more shameful. No, no, it's not shameful. <laughs> if you have a deficiency and you work on it, that's a good thing. But you haven't improved. Yeah, but that's What's not my point? fault. You know, I'm putting the effort. Whose fault? Whose fault is it? It's nobody's fault. It's just how things are. My brain is good at different things. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I love episodes where we just talk about something you're no good at. <laughs> They're my favourite. <laughs> Can you get me home? Yeah, probably. Hop on my back. <laughs> Eureka is a stack production presented by Dr. Michael Brooks and Rick Edwards. The production team is Temi Adebayo, Katie Baxter, Luke Moore and Charlie Morgan. Sound designed by Katie Baxter. Special thanks to today's expert, Professor Mary Hegarty. We also do really love hearing from you guys, so if you have a burning science question you want answering, drop us an email at eureka at stack.london or you can find us, as always, on Twitter at EurekaPod. Thanks. Eureka is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.